Good morning, everybody. Glad you joined us. Church starts in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We're so glad you guys joined us today. We're going to teach you some new songs this morning. You guys worship along with us. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing. And faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Faithful you are. And all your promises are yes and amen. Savior, you have brought me near. You pulled me from the ashes. You've broken every curse. And blessed Redeemer, you have set this captive free. Lord, I can't help but sing. Faithful you are. Promises, oh yes, and amen. And all your promises are yes, and amen. Faithful, you are faithful forever. You will be faithful, you are. And all your promises are yes, and I will rest in your confidence. My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence your faithfulness I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness faithful you are faithful forever you will be faithful 
Good morning, C3 family. This is our call to worship for today. The scripture is found in Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. May peace and love with faith be yours from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May his grace surround all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a never-ending love. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we enter into your presence this morning, help us remember that you are our God and you are always with us, you are for us, you love us, and you alone are worthy of all our praise. Help us, O oh God, to lift our voices in adoration to your glorious Son, our Savior. Amen and amen. Thank you, Brenda, for the call to worship this morning. Today, Larry's going to be preaching about God's promises, and that is the reason we picked the first song, and that's the reason we played, we're going about to play this song. You are with me, what can separate us? You are for me, what can stand against us? Your love, it won't let go, I know it won't. Darkness, shadows have no power over me. Fear is empty. Shame has no authority. Your love, it won't let go. I know it won't. Cause I know your thoughts, your plans for me are good. I know you hold my future and my hope. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Healing, freedom, as you speak favor over me. Faith is breaking all impossibility. Your name is overcome, your name alone. And I know your thoughts, your plans for me are good. I know you hold my future and my hope. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Cause your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Cause I am standing on every promise that you make. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. 
Jesus, I will trust every word I hear you say. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. And I am standing on every promise that you make. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. Jesus, I will trust every word I hear you say. I know your thoughts, your plans for me are good. I know you hold my future and my hope. Cause your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Good morning. C3 family, welcome to our service on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, I'm very glad that you could be here with us. I'm, again, sorry that my beloved bride is not with us. She'll be here with us, Lord willing, next Sunday. But she is still away working on a big project. Uh, she's trying to get a book finished. And so, Anyway, I'm going to miss her this morning, and I know you will as well, but hopefully she'll be back next Sunday. Uh, pray with me as we begin the service. Lord Jesus, this is your day, and we are your people, and we come wanting to be in your presence and to hear your voice and to receive your grace. Whether this is the first time or the thousandth time, we still long to be in your presence. We still want to hear your voice, and we still want to receive fresh grace. Please let it be so. Lord Jesus, you told the hypocrites in Matthew 23, you strain out the gnats and you swallow the camels. Lord, please don't let that be true of us today. Don't let us hyper-focus on the small things that Larry says. Help us instead to focus mightily on the important things that you say. And Lord, if you do that, uh, we sure would be grateful. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I read an article a few, oh, it's been maybe a month ago, just something that somebody had sent me, and uh, I just sort of opened it up to look at it, really out of politeness, but as I read it a little bit, I became intrigued. And it was not uh, one-sided, it was very 
uh, evenly focused on the red and the blue, the Democrats and the Republicans. Uh, it, it was not negative against one group, but, and it wasn't even negative. It just was more of a, a thought-provoking article on, uh, and it listed like so many politicians over the last, I guess, 20 or 30 years that uh, uh, had been in office for a long time. And it focused on that they all, or at least the over one, the ones in this article, they focused on two qualities that they all shared. One of those qualities was uh, how the beliefs and the values that they began their political careers holding, proclaiming, emphasizing, change dramatically by the end of their careers. Changing values and beliefs and priorities. The other thing that it focused on was unbroken promises. Or I'm sorry, broken promises. Things that they promised they would do when they got into office. Things they would begin, things they would change, things they would uh, uh, make right. But by the end of their career, they had not done those things. They began with certain beliefs and values, things they saw as true or false, right or wrong, important or unimportant. But by the end of their careers, those things had changed drastically. And they had made promises to do or change certain things, very specific things. And either because they were unwilling or unable, they did not accomplish the, the vast, overwhelming uh, majority of those promises. And again, it wasn't focused on one group or another or one person or another. It was just an interesting article. And um, I, anyway, I just, um, you'll see where I'm going with that in a minute. Uh, if you got a copy of the scriptures, I wish you would turn, please, to 2 Samuel chapter 5. And I'm going to read the first four or five verses uh, in this chapter, this is where David is made king over all of the nation of Israel. And here's what it says. Second uh, Samuel chapter 5, starting in verse 1. All of the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron. That was sort of the, the, the capital of Israel at that time. Uh, and told David, we are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king... You were the one who really led the army of Israel. And the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people. You will be Israel's king. So there at Hebron, David made a covenant before the Lord with all of the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. Um, Israel gathers here uh, and makes David the king. Uh, and what is significant to me about that is that God makes good on a promise that he made to David 20 years earlier. And it just struck me as I was studying that passage a while back about how many, consider how many 
obstacles and barriers there were to David ever becoming king, to God being able to fulfill that promise. I mean, serious problems, serious obstacles, serious barriers related to David's age. When God made him that promise, he was 10 or 12 years old. Think of the promises that a a child might be given, and 20 years later, uh, they still haven't been fulfilled the possibility that they will then be fulfilled. His age, his own family did not believe in him or recognize the calling that God had placed upon David's life or the promises that God had made David. His own, the problems related to his own family, his enemies. David had some serious enemies. People, many people that were specifically and passionately intent on uh, uh, his demise, his failure, ultimately his death. Uh, failures by David himself and failures by others in David's life, friends of his, that would have been incredible hindrances to this promise ever being fulfilled. The sheer timing, how many things had to fall perfectly in place for David to ever be able to become king. And then the sheer fact that it was a 20-year-old promise. Uh, how many promises do we make to one another? And then, you know, after a while we forget or we move on or we, we you know, maybe, but, but no. God made a promise to David uh, as a shepherd boy, a 12, 10, 12-year-old 12 shepherd boy uh, uh, in Bethlehem. And 20 years later, God accomplished at Hebron and fulfilled at Hebron this promise that God made to this little shepherd boy 20 years earlier. And God fulfilled it very specifically, very clearly, very completely. This isn't one of these things where you call these nut job, knucklehead people out in California on these uh, uh, fortune teller uh, 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 websites or, or, or phone call places and you, you, um, you're asking them to tell you their, your future and they give you some vague general uh, uh, idea of some time to tell you their future. No, no, no. God told David, you will be the king of Israel. And David was. God fulfilled his promise to this shepherd boy at Hebron. Um, I want to I just take that passage and I want to use it to uh, challenge you with two ideas that I think uh, God wants us to, to be challenged with today from this passage. And the first one is this. People fail to keep promises, but God does not. People fail to keep their promises, but God does not. God's callings that he places upon people's lives, they are going to be fulfilled. God's promises that he makes to people, they are going to be accomplished. You see this in similar fashion in the lives of so many people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament for that matter. Callings that God placed upon people like Noah uh, and David 
uh, and, and Samuel and uh, Moses and Joseph. God placed callings upon their lives and he had those callings fulfilled. God made promises to these people and God accomplished them. The promises that God made and the callings that God placed upon people's lives, he accomplished. Uh, No adjustments, no modification, no compromise, no settling for something less. God made the promises, he placed the callings on people, and he accomplished and fulfilled them. I'm reading right now through my Bible, as I hope that you are. And if you are, you're probably somewhere close to where I am. I'm in Isaiah and Jeremiah. And God made these crazy, ridiculous, impossible promises to Isaiah and Jeremiah and to the people of Israel at the time about the leaders of other nations and the the nations themselves, leaders like Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus and Sennacherib, um, uh, nations like Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and the Persian Empire. Uh, And God gave incredibly specific uh, promises, made incredibly specific promises about what these leaders would do and not do, what these nations would do and not do, how these nations would turn out, incredibly specific things, and every one of them were fulfilled specifically, clearly, and completely. Listen to what the Bible says about God's commitment to keep his promises even when people do not. And uh, Joshua 21 says, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to his people failed. Everyone was fulfilled. That's specifically talking about Joshua looking back on his life from his childhood when Moses led the people of God out of Israel and led them into the promised land. Now he's an old man. And he's declaring to the people of God and he's declaring to you and me. I'm telling you, I heard God make hundreds and hundreds of promises to his people. And I'm I'm a testimony to the fact that every promise God made he fulfilled. Solomon said the exact same thing after observing his dad's life. Solomon's a young man now, but his dad, he'd watched his dad his entire life, and he had heard hundreds of promises that God had made to his dad. And he said this in 1 Kings 8. Solomon speaking to the people of God, and he says, God gave rest to his people just as he promised. Not one of his good promises has failed. David said in Psalm 33, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. His plans will be accomplished to all generations. Paul said in Romans 3, even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures declare, Lord, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will always win your case in court. He said in Romans 8, those that God predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Every time, those that God called, he ultimately glorified. And what he's saying there is, he he didn't lose anybody. Those that he originally predestined, 
and called and elected to be in an eternal relationship with him, every one of them wind up in his presence in heaven forever. Romans 9, Paul says again, God's purposes in electing, in calling, in choosing his children will stand and will be accomplished. And then finally in Romans 11, God says, his gifts and his callings for his people are irrevocable. I just want to challenge you to remember that based upon God's word, he declares that people will fail to keep their promises, but God will not. Now, the second thing I want you to, to think about and be challenged with is that people change, but God does not. One of the things that is for certain is that nothing stays the same. Everything changes. And that's true in our own personal lives, in our relationships, in our circumstances, in our world. Save one thing. People change, but God does not. What God says, what God values, what God does, how God relates to us, it does not change. The way God spoke and the way God related to Adam is the way he is relating to you and to me today. Nothing has changed. And the same is true for Noah, for Abraham, for Jacob and Joseph, for Moses, for uh, uh, Ruth, for uh, uh, Rahab, for David, for Esther, for uh, 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 Isaiah, uh, Every person uh, that you show me in the Bible, the way God related to them, the way God treated them, the way God, uh, what God said to them, God is doing the exact same thing in his relationship with us. Isaiah 46 says that God sees the end from the beginning. He doesn't change. God gathers no new information to consider. Nothing occurs to God. I had a professor in uh, uh, college, I guess it was, who uh, used to say, has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to God? God's circumstances don't change. God's situation does not change. Um, listen to what the Bible says about the fact that people change, but God never does. In Hebrews 13, the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Malachi 3, God says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. What's, what's God saying there? He's saying, Israel, you are so hard-headed, you are so stubborn, you are su such big knuckleheads that if I was somebody that was given to changing how I relate to people, how I see people, what I say to people. If I was one that was given to change, you'd be destroyed. But I made a promise to your great, 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 great granddaddy, Abraham. And then I made that promise again to his son and his grandson and his great-grandsons. And I made that promise to Moses and to David. And because I do not change... I cannot go back on the promise that I made that I love you, I'm committed to you, I've placed a calling upon you, I've made promises to you, and I will not change. 
James chapter 1, the half-brother of Jesus says, God our Father who created the stars and the heavens does not ever change. In Numbers 23, Moses says, God's not a man. He doesn't lie. He's not a human, so he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever made a promise and not carried it through? And then finally in Isaiah 40, the great prophet declares, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. God's callings and God's promises do not change, nor does his character or his power. Therefore, what he says he will do, and therefore what he says he can do, he does not change in who he is or what he's able to do. And so, since God doesn't change and God keeps his promises, he is worthy to be trusted. Now, the last few minutes that I've got with you today, I want to I give you three things to ponder this afternoon and this evening, if you will, based upon what we've talked about today. The first one is this. I want to ask you a question. Honestly, honestly, who is your worst enemy? If you had to identify and put a name on somebody on it, who is the worst enemy in your life? Would it be an ex? Somebody in your family? The government up in Washington? Maybe our culture? The people of Hollywood? People who have differing values? who see things differently than you do? Maybe it's the devil himself. Who would you say is your biggest enemy? Well, truthfully, in my life, it's none of those. The biggest enemy that I have in my life is my own unbelief, my unwillingness to trust in the goodness of God and His promise Commit that goodness to me. My battle is not with people. My battle is not with the Democrats or the Republicans or the people in Washington. My battle is not with people that would see our society very differently than I would. My battle is not with my family members that I have disagreement with. My battle is not with my wife or my children. My battle is not with people, and I've got to learn to stop fighting with them. And I've got to learn to focus my battle, my war, against my true and greatest enemy, which is my own unbelief. Because my unbelief, my unwillingness to trust in God's goodness and His promise to commit that goodness to me, it drives and it defines my life. It drives the fact that I get angry, that I get fearful, that I seek control, that I'm selfish. And God has provided weapons to help me fight the real battle in my life against the real enemy in my life, which is my own unbelief. He mentions it or he describes it in Ephesians chapter 6 where he says that we are to use the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit to defeat the real enemy in our lives, our own unbelief. What does he say there? 
He says, do you want to fight and defeat the real enemy in your life, your unbelief? Use the, the shield of faith. Use the helmet of salvation and use the sword of the Spirit. Use your confidence, the helmet of salvation. Use your confidence that you have been adopted into God's family, that you are the beneficiary of His love, that God has committed that love to you, not based upon how you live, but on the fact that He has called you into His family. He's chosen you, and He has bestowed upon you the free gift of eternal life. It is a gift that you've been given, not something that you have to earn, not something that you have to keep. It's something that God has placed upon your life, and He's made the promise. Now that you're mine, that which I have begun, I promise I will complete. Secondly, He says, use the shield of faith. Use your faith in what? In the sword of the Spirit, the promises of God, the Word of God. Those are the weapons. My confidence that I belong to God and my faith in what God has said to me, He will not lie. He will not, He's not unable to fulfill. He will do what He has promised He would do for me. Those are the weapons that I can use to fight my real enemy. Second thing I want you to think about. God's promises to His Old Testament favorites. I promise you, they are just a foretaste of all that God has planned and promised for you and I. God's promises to His Old Testament favorites are just a foretaste of His promises that He has made to us. The promises He has made to us are more glorious and more grand than anything that He promised to anyone in the Old Testament. We should study those and claim those, but they're just an appetizer as the promises that a master would make to a servant are wonderful, but they're no comparison to the promises that a husband would make to his bride. Every promise that God made to Abraham, to Moses, to Joshua, to David, to the people of Israel, He will do for us, but even more so. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul declares all of the promises of God, every promise throughout the Bible, those are all yes and amen in Christ. God made specific promises to Noah. God made specific problems, uh, promises to Abraham. God made specific promises to Moses. But they didn't necessarily overlap into other, uh, peop, other Old Testament saints' lives. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. They all apply to my life and to your life if we are in Christ. Isn't that what Matthew is saying? The very first verse in the Bible, Matthew 1.1. What's the point of that verse? God is saying, I will be faithful to you as I was faithful to Abraham and to David, but even more so. And in Hebrews 11, Paul says that all of God, I'm sorry, all these people, all the people listed in Hebrews 11, they received my call and they received my promises and I fulfilled and accomplished in and through their lives everything that I said. None of them were disappointed. 
Not one of them. Not one of them filled out a Yelp survey and said, I'm a dissatisfied customer in my relationship with God. But the promises that God has made to us far outshine and overwhelm any promises that God made to anyone else in the Bible. It's the difference in watching a child with a sparkler and looking at the stars in the heavens. It's the difference in kissing your sister on the cheek on her birthday and kissing your bride on your honeymoon. It's the difference in winning a goldfish in a plastic bag at the fair and winning the lottery. It's the difference in giving a free trip to Paris, Tennessee and Paris, France. The third thing that I want you to think about and as I close, we all choose where we turn for truth. That's one of the choices we get to make. Where are we going to turn to find and cling to what is really true? We might turn to our hearts. We might turn to our culture and civilization and society. Or we might turn to the Word of God. I find it odd. I find it absurd. And I find it sad that so many of us turn to that which is unreliable and fickle that continually changes and is uncertain and the Bible would say is also deceptive and deceived. We turn to that which is not dependable, that which is not uh, consistent and faithful to look for and discover truth rather than looking to the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I will never change, and I will never betray you. I'll never lead you astray, and I will never disappoint you. Please think about the fact that God will never make a promise to you or to me that he will not fulfill, and he never changes in who he is, how he feels about us, and how he treats us. This week... Our Jewish friends are celebrating uh, Yom Kippur, the day of forgiveness and the day of new beginnings. What a lovely uh, week of celebration, the day of forgiveness and the day of new beginnings. You know, we as Christians, each week we eat and drink uh, that which represents the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. And we do that to declare exactly the same thing. That because we are in Christ, because we trust in what he did on the cross, we have forgiveness with God and we have a new life, a new beginning. We can start over and live the life that we were created to live, the life that God longs for us to live. We can experience forgiveness and new beginnings because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So eat and drink with me. Bless you, bless you, bless you for being with us today. I hope you experience a week of forgiveness and new beginnings. Join us again next week. I look forward to seeing you. Bye-bye. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, 
When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know And I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love Shame no longer has a place to hide and I am not captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind And I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's resurrection power that can save There's power in your name There's power in your name Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your Stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your Thanks again for joining us this week. Come back next week, Facebook Live and YouTube Live 1015. We'll see you guys next week. Y'all have a great week. Thank you.